This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome back to another episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Back with another positional breakdown. Last week, we handled the running backs. This week, we're going to switch to the defensive side of the football, go towards the linebackers. Michael, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good. And, and this is going to be a fun position to break down. Um, it's one that has a lot of question marks, but at the same time, a lot of potential as well. And a really good coaching staff to back up the development uh, of these guys. So it's a very intriguing position, but a scary one at the same time. Yeah, they're, they're question marks, but they're potentially optimistic answers. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, hope on this side of the football in this position group. Um, and I would say that no position is greater impacted by the switch from the 3-4 to the 4-3 than the linebacker unit. I mean, I really think they're going to benefit the most from the Robert Sala change, especially like you mentioned, a head coach in Sala who made his bones in the league as a linebacker's coach. Uh, and a great defensive unit, and the return of a four-time pro bowler and an all-pro linebacker in C.J. Mosley. So a lot to talk about here. So let's just kind of go through the main five guys, and then we'll, we can talk a little bit about people who are going to round out the roster, and then we'll answer some questions about the unit as a whole. But let's look at C.J. Mosley first, who, as I just mentioned, four-time pro bowler, all-pro linebacker. I mean, one of the best linebackers in football two years ago and played probably the best three quarters of football I've ever seen from a Jets linebacker. Gets injured week one, comes back week seven, I think it was, against the Patriots, barely plays, wasn't healthy clearly, and the injury spread to his core. So it was essentially out the entire year of 2019, takes last year off with COVID. Um, and now he's back, and I don't really know what to expect from him, but the buzz around him at OTAs and minicamp has me pretty optimistic about his return. How do you feel, Michael? Yeah, I feel pretty optimistic as well. I feel like he's a guy who I'm not too worried about um, a two-year hiatus with him because I feel like his game isn't necessarily built around athleticism. He's not a guy who is winning based off of speed, based off of quickness, things like that. He's a guy who has always made his impact based off of his smarts, his IQ, his preparation, and also his leadership, just getting everyone lined up in the right place and helping to overall just run the show the way it should be run and getting those coverage busts to a minimum. They very rarely happened in that Ravens defense over the five years in which he started on almost every single game for them and played almost every single snap. And that obviously all starts with the middle linebacker who is pointing everyone in the right direction. So those are the things he does well. And I feel like missing two years, um, especially last year, which wasn't due to injury, shouldn't affect him too much and he's not old he's still only 29 so I feel like he should be in a very good spot to come back and still be at the peak level he was over his first few seasons he looks you know by all counts has been fresh out there um, in practices so far it seems like he is really enthused to be back it does also seem like that Adam Gase might have played a little bit of a role in him opting out last season Um, but all things, all signs look pretty positive right now. And I think he's the type of player who is built to come back from a two-year gap like this effectively. Yeah, we'll circle back to Mosley a little bit more, but I like kind of what you said about how his success has never been predicated solely on his athleticism. I, he's kind of like a pocket passer. I don't want to use, you know, this is a bit of hyperbole, but you know how, how Tom Brady is still playing and he's 44 years old. And the reason right. is, is because he's always won because of what's up top. It's never been because of his, his fastball or his athleticism. Those mobile quarterbacks, those quarterbacks with huge arms, 
once they reach 34, once they reach 35 and the physical traits start to wear off, the performance goes down. And in linebacker, obviously, he's an incredibly athletic position. You mentioned he's 29. He's still in the prime of his career, but around 30, 31, that's when linebackers typically fall off. But hey, he still has a few years left in him. But like you said, he might be able to ride off a little later because his, his career has always been predicated on what's up top, his, his football IQ, his play recognition. And that might you know lend him to be Robert Sala's right-hand man, another coach in the field. I'm really excited to see him. Um, like you said, I, I really hope he stays healthy. But the the vibe around in the spring is that he's moving well, that there doesn't seem to be too many remaining issues from that groin core injury. I mean, I'd hope so, because in retrospect, maybe the extra year off helped him. There's The, the con is that he'll be a little rusty, but the, the pro is that he should be fresh. I mean, he should be fresher than he's ever felt. We heard the same things about Le'Veon Bell, and he was never right, quite right. the same. That was the comparison I was going to make. This is what is it's kind of reminding me of, but I feel like linebacker a little bit more than running back. Right. Kind of. It's more, uh, especially because, side. It, especially since running back is so predicated on another position group, the offensive line, especially yeah, a guy like Le'Veon right. Bell. CJ Mo, Mosley's success was never really predicated on those around him. Um, he was a key cog in Baltimore's defense, and a lot of people were worried when he left Baltimore how they would fare. Obviously, they were still good, but – People don't forget those three quarters we saw CJ Mosley in New York were amazing. I mean, those three quarters alone paid for about half that contract. He's got her in the other half um, with, with his play this year and probably next year as well. It doesn't look like they're just going to get out of their contract unless they want to eat a big sum. Part of the, the negative, I guess, at the time of him opting out last year was that the Jets are going to be on the hook for that huge $18, $19 million a year contract for another year before the out after at this point, it's, it'll be after 2022. But hey, if he's playing great and he's like you said, he's 29, he'll be 30 next year, still in the prime of his career, and the Jets are having success, nobody's going to be complaining about that. Now, Jared Davis, who is um, going to be the strong side linebacker, the Sam linebacker for this unit, uh, is a bit of an interesting signing. He was the first Jets signing of the free agent period. I know you weren't the biggest fan of, of Jared, and, and we've gone back and forth on Gerard versus Jared. I've heard more people say Jared, so we're going to stick with Jared. Yeah, Davis let's just for go now. with that. I'm going to go with Jared. We're going to go with Jared Davis for now, but I'm fully open to Gerard if we want to switch it. His strengths seem to come to, to really complement um, what it takes to be a, a strong side linebacker in this defense. He's a great blitzer. He's more of a thumper, a run stopper. He's had some issues in the past manning that Mike role in Detroit and, and having to, to play more pass coverage. But how do you feel like he fits in this Robert Sala defense? Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see where he fits in because what worked for him last season – um, is that the, the Lions reduced his role. He was starting the first three seasons, didn't work well for him. He's consistently leading the league in missed tackles. And then last year he plays only about 34% of their snaps on average, rotating in, playing some Mike, some strong side, some Sam for them. Um, in that rotational role, and that worked really well for him. He put up the best numbers of his career uh, in coverage in terms of miss well he actually still missed a lot of tackles but in coverage he was better um his run defense was better in that role so that's where i would want to project him in this defense rotating in uh, because that's what the falcons and niners did last season they had two every down guys and they had a third guy who'd rotate in for about a third of the snaps in their four three defenses um for the 49ers their starters were greenlaw and fred warner uh, and aziz alshair would rotate in for that third role uh, and then for Atlanta, their starters were uh, Deion Jones and Voice Aluakon, and their third guy's Michael Walker. He would play that role. So I think based on what Davis did last season, that's what I would like to see him do, play about a third of the snaps because it served him well last year. But you look at the contract he got for um, one year, seven or five million in guarantees, and you compare that to guys like Jayon Brown, Nicholas Morrow, who were starters last year and got less than he did that sort of suggests that the Jets might want to play him in that every down role next to Mosley um, and have whoever wins that other role um, in terms of the young guys, Nazar Dean, Sherwood, Cashman, who we'll get to play that guy in, in the rotational role. So it'll be interesting to see whether they want Davis to stay in that limited role that worked well for him last season, or if they do truly see him uh, as in every down starter, because I'd be skeptical of that just because of his track record, but it will be interesting to see. I definitely think, I mean, if you're just going to go off the OTA's mini camp starters, he's definitely going to be in an every down role and he's going to be in that strong side. Um, I think I, I agree with you. I think there's, there's plenty of reason to be skeptical about him. 
I think he had more issues as a Mike linebacker. And I think he's a better fit in this defense than Matt Patricia's hybrid three, four, four, three defense. Um, I mean, he was their first signing right out of the gate. So clearly this was a Robert solid guy. And I think you made a, a, an important distinction uh, comparing him against Atlanta linebackers. Cause it's a mistake I make often. And I think other jets fans do too. While this is Robert Sala's defense, it's it's Jeff Ulbrich. I mean, he's the defensive coordinator. He's going to be calling the plays, and he's going to have his influence, just like Michael Flores, not just going to run Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, he's going to put his own spin on it. So while it's it's the base defense of Robert Sala and what he did in San Francisco, Atlanta is a great team to look at when you want to see what he what they want to do. And like you mentioned, uh, Jayon Brown and Nicholas Morrow, who are probably more weak linebackers, which is more the pass coverage linebacker of the two outside linebackers. Um, Clearly, I mean, the, the Jets targeted that with with rookies and on day three, like you mentioned. I, I think it's a clear sign that they look towards Jared Davis as that starting strong side linebacker because you look at the rest of the linebackers, not just the guys they drafted, not just Blake Cashman, not just the guys who round out the roster. Nobody else is really a thumper like Davis is. A lot of these guys are, are converted safeties, athletic, um, pass coverage type linebackers. I think, I think they were intrigued by his blitzing potential. I think the other thing is, is that Robert Sala plays that base 4-3 defense, or I guess Jeff Ulbrich as well. Um, this defense plays its base 4-3 more than any other defense in the league. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, nickel will still dominate, but you're going to see plenty of, of sets out there with three linebackers. We'll see how they curve that if if Sherwood, Nazaldine, or Cashman are struggling. But I do think you're going to see Davis out there um, in, a, in an expanded role. I, it probably won't be out there on third downs, I would say. And that strong linebacker, I think he'll be the one that you take off to put in your slot, whether it's Michael Carter the second or whatever. Um, we'll cover the, the corners in a later episode. Um, but moving ahead with Blake Cashman, who him and the next two guys we're going to mention are all in a competition right now for that weak side linebacker. And I guess Cashman in some ways is the incumbent. I guess you could say that he's the longest tenured linebacker on this team. Actually, Mosley beats him by a month. Um, second longest tenured linebacker on this team yet. I feel like we've never really seen him. And I mean, at this point, he's pretty much like the, the SpongeBob meme with the guy who's in the full body cast and is, is, uh, was born with glass bones and paper skin. I mean, cause he's just always, uh, in the rehab area. I mean, he's just never healthy. Uh, and he was a guy that we talked about a lot last off season as maybe he's a guy who can take the leap. A lot of people liked him in the draft community coming out, was a team captain, fell a little bit in the draft, liked his measurables. Um, from a physical standpoint, he always looks good, always looks in tremendous shape, but yeah, he's just never been able to stay healthy. So it's hard to put together a scouting report, but Michael, I guess, what do you like about Cashman's game and what concerns you uh, about what he brings to the Jets? There was a lot that I, overall, I think Cashman struggled because we did see him uh, quite a bit in 2019. He started five games uh, and he played most of the Bills game to a lot of the Bills game uh, in the opening game of the season, but he did show a lot of versatility. There were a lot of different things he showed capability in. He played some outside linebacker, rushed off the edge. Um, he played a little bit of everything when he was off the ball, strong side, Mike, weak side. Um, he got some man coverage roles against tight ends. So he, they put him in a lot of different spots. And in most of them, he showed you uh, something to like, something to build off of. But for the most part, the production wasn't there. But he was a fifth-round rookie. And, you know, it's too much to expect out of any guy. I, I think he had a rookie season that's kind of like Ashton Davis's this year. Overall, the production wasn't amazing, just like Davis this year. Got roasted against Kansas City, gave up a touchdown to Gasicki, um, and, you know, overall didn't have amazing production, but he took on a lot of different roles, and there were reps, a lot of reps for Ashton Davis where you saw, okay, I see the talent, I see, I see the athleticism, I see what this guy could become. And he also showed us that he can do a lot of different things, which makes him a valuable depth piece, rotational piece to have. I think Cashman was similar, you know, in a linebacker role more so than safety, but he did a lot of different things. And I could definitely see that will role being the spot for him, especially maybe rotating in on third downs if they need a guy to play that role, because he definitely leaned towards the passing game. I think in terms of his strengths run game, I think he really struggled. He got washed out on a lot of blocks at the second level, didn't create a ton of penetration, had some gap-filling mistakes, but in coverage, he did have some pretty good man reps against tight ends. Uh, he did a great job covering the flat, just attacking downhill, making tackles in space. So uh, I think in that weak side linebacker role, he could be a very good fit playing 
you know, that role I was talking about with Davis, because I think based on, it is fair to say, like you said, based off what we see in camp and the contract, Davis is going to be starting. I think he's going to be playing most of the snaps next to Mosley and the other linebackers will be the ones competing to rotate in and out like the role that Davis played in Detroit last year, like those other guys I mentioned uh, in Sal and Ulbrich's defense. I think that will be what Cashman, Nasruddin, and Sherwood will be competing for. So I think that's a role that makes a lot of sense for Cashman. I actually am pretty intrigued to see him in this defense. I think a 4-3 is a much better fit for him than the 3-4 the Jets are playing because in the middle of a defense where he has a lot of very important run defending responsibilities straight in the a gaps that's not his skill set he had made a lot of mistakes especially the jacksonville game that year um leonard fournette had a huge run that cashman was pretty much primary culprit uh culprit for that's not a skill set but put him outside get him some reps in the slot against tight ends put him an outside linebacker on the edge i'm actually pretty intrigued by his his fit in this scheme so i'm excited to see what he does yeah, it's interesting that the fact that the Jets drafted two converted safeties, um, presumably to be in that weak linebacker role, where Cashman was more of a thumper in, in college. Obviously, he brings athletic profile, so he's not your your everyday 1970s middle linebacker. If C.J. Mosley were to go down, God forbid, let's hope that doesn't happen, but if he gets injured, who do you think steps up in that Mike linebacker role? At least right now, I think a lot of questions will get answered in training camp, whoever performs, whatever, but... In Robert Sala's, you know, plan right now, let's say he loses Mosley week one again, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Who do you think slides in um, to to replace him? Do you think they would move Davis over from a strong side role, play him at Mike like he did a bit in Detroit? Do you think he put, right now, Cashman, um, who's done that in his career, um, or maybe another guy that we'll talk about next? Well, I, I think like you said, uh, in terms of their targeting Davis, getting him early, to fill that thumper role. He is the biggest guy in this group at 245 pounds. I think it would be him, but I do think that does kind of point to a question mark with this unit. I think they do kind of lack depth in terms of, you know, having another guy who you could comfortably have in that mic role. And, and look, you're not going to find a backup who you're going to be legitimately comfortable with in, you know, essentially the quarterback of the defense role. But, um, Davis Davis would be the guy, I think, for sure, just because beyond him, I don't think there are too many viable candidates other right. than Cashman, but it would be tough. I think Mo, this is why Mosley is such a hugely important player for them this year, um, because that's going to be a huge drop-off if you have Gerard, uh, Jared Davis. That's what go. we're going to go with. If you have him playing Mike linebacker. Um, yeah, we're, we got to establish that consistency. Jared is what we're going with. If we hear Gerard officially, we got to ask him. Someone has to ask him. Hey, maybe we get That's him on the show. We do. Maybe we'll get him on the show. But uh, but yeah, I think that will, will be a big drop off. It's probably the biggest drop off on the team, right? Because right. corners I, is, is weak depth, but you know, there's not really, they're all kind of in the same boat where it's like the yeah. Jets currently have a bona fide starter. But outside of that, I mean, it's exactly steep, steep it's, not, it's one. And it's not, it's not even just the talent it's also just the leadership perspective and how important it is to have a good leader a guy who could get everyone lined up in the right spot at that position yeah that a lot of other spots that aspect of it doesn't really matter but here it's uh, it's not that davis can't do that it's just that you know there are three years of him starting on tape in detroit where he was a starting mike middle linebacker and he really struggled right and then last season it was when they moved him around a little bit and used his athleticism and just took some of those responsibilities off his plate when he started to really shine. And I think the Jets will be doing a lot of that this season, even if he'll be playing more snaps. I think that's what they'll be focusing on. But uh, I do, I do think Davis will be that guy. If Mosley goes down, he'll kick inside. Cashman will probably start next to him uh, and the other every down spot, uh, but that's going to be a big drop off. So the depth in this position is a question mark until hopefully at least one of these guys proves that they can really be relied upon. Yeah, I think, like you said, Davis, when he had the green dot in the back of his helmet in Detroit, um, kind of really struggled. And and you kind of alluded to this, but I would say that in this defense, that Mike linebacker spot is probably the most important spot um, for this Roberts Hall defense. They value the defensive line as a whole. It's probably the most important unit. But if you're only going to get one player, you know, look at what Fred Warner did um, in, in San Francisco. Look what Deion Jones did in Atlanta. 
having that Mike linebacker um, for this unit, like you said, to, to lead on the field, off the field as well, line everybody up and just fulfill a really important key cog. I mean, you're just at the center of the defense center of the, the middle level. Um, so obviously it's a huge boost for the Jets if CJ Mosley can be anywhere close to the player he was last year. If he goes out, I think you're right. I think they have three options, three conceivable options. And we'll look at the depth shot, you know, the, the depth at the bottom of the position group, a bunch of unproven undrafted guys. So I don't think you can really bring any of their names up right now, but there's three options right now that I think Robert Sala would look at. I think Davis, like you said, is the most likely because he started in Detroit and did it. It was a different scheme. So maybe if he gets his confidence up here as a strong side linebacker and mostly goes down a little later in the season and Davis is having a good season, I think, you know, maybe he can, he can make that transition back. Um, he's a veteran too. He's the second oldest player in the team or on the, in this position group outside of Mosley. So I think you're right. I think he would probably be the guy, but I think Davis's skill set really suits him to be that strong side linebacker. And while the Mike position has a lot of depth issues, I would say there's not really another strong side linebacker on this team. I mean, a natural strong side linebacker, like you said, I mean, I guess Cashman could bump out there. There's some other guys that you could bump out there, but Sherwood and Nazaldine are both weak side linebackers. Delshawn Phillips is a weak side linebacker. Brendan White is a weak side linebacker. So there's not really another strong side linebacker. So there's an argument to be made, especially if Davis is doing well. Okay. Leave him there. Cashman is maybe second in, in, in command there because he's been a middle linebacker his whole career. But the guy I'm thinking is the, the long-term backup of middle linebacker, maybe Mosley's replacement in, a, in two years. Uh, and the guy that depending on how he plays could be the guy who could do it as soon as this year, if Mosley were to go down. And it's the guy I want to talk about next. That's Jamie and Sherwood because um, quick shout out to the jets for their um, uh, why did I flight 2021? Is that what it's called? Right. Yep. The documentary series, I've, I've watched two of them, so I've only watched half. We'll, we'll talk about that maybe on, on Monday's episode. Um, great in-depth um, look at the team. If you haven't checked it out, do. This is, I mean, free plug for the team that you'll follow. But, um, like, the best inside look at the team since Hard Knocks. But when you listen to, to why they liked Jamie and Sherwood, um, and you can get this mostly from, from Robert Sala's press conferences as well, it was his knowledge um, and his ability to communicate and the, just the level of maturity he had when he'd watch film, his, his mental recall. It sounded like a lot of the things that they, they, the reasons they picked him is because they love his potential at that Mike role. Obviously he brings a level of physicality. He comes down from safety. So he has that athleticism, but it really sounds like, because he was a guy that got picked and a lot of people are like, who? Um, especially when Hamza was still on the board because the Jets picked Sherwood first. It sounds like the Jets really loved what Sherwood brought in the film room. And I think he's a guy to keep out an eye out for as maybe Mosley's replacement. But for right now, he's definitely in that competition for the weak side linebacker spot. Michael, what do you think he brings to the field? Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's definitely probably the next in line to be a future middle linebacker. Obviously, you would like to see some a little bit of bulking up preferred, only 220-pound frame, which you could kick up a little bit. But he does have a lot of experience, or showed in college, um, a lot of experience pre-snap, getting guys aligned. Um, a lot of the stuff that goes into being that the green sticker, hel- the green sticker on the helmet guy with the headset, Um, that you need to have in the NFL, those communication skills, understanding the defense. He showed a lot of that. And and even though his frame is kind of small, he does have really good length. So that's going to serve him well also as he transitions to this position. So I think Sherwood is a guy who could project really well to this role. And his athleticism also isn't great. That's one of his weaknesses. He doesn't necessarily have special tools in that area. So that's another thing that could, you know, pull him away from safety, away from weak linebacker and more towards that Mike linebacker role. So uh, I, I think you bring up a really good point that he is a guy who this could be the role that they're projecting for sure would more so than competing for that weak linebacker role. Um, I think that um, they want to take advantage of his smarts, his intelligence uh, and his experience. You know, he did just straight up line up at linebacker a lot of the time at Auburn. So I think those are the things that they're going to try to build off of with Sherwood and try to project him into that backup Mike role to right. start out. Whereas it's more so going to be the next guy we'll talk about Nazarel Dean uh, and Cashman competing for those will reps. Yeah. And, and Jeff Ulbrich, um, just cause I was looking up 
Jamie and Sherwood for my next point. Um, I've already called him a quick study. Um, but I just wanted to, to look at Sherwood just to remind myself real quick, because he said he has a small frame, which I just want to make a small um, correction. I, I think his weight definitely needs to go up, but he definitely doesn't have a small frame. I think there's room right, for right. growth in that yeah, frame. You mentioned his length. Like the right, length exactly. And height is there. Right, exactly. I think this is a frame that you could really build on because, yeah, when you look at him, he is physically imposing If he, even if he doesn't weigh that much. Part of that's the length, but he has broad shoulders. He definitely has room to add some weight and be that middle linebacker. But like like we've alluded to, I think he was definitely picked um, mainly for what he's going to bring in the film room and his potential to be a, a Mike linebacker in this defense. And then rounding out the top five that we're going to take a, a, a more in-depth look at before we hop into some um, questions about the unit as a whole, Hamza Nasruddin, who in my mind, if I was a betting man, I think I'm going to bet that he, he'll he be the, the ultimate starter day one starter at, at weak linebacker, even though he was picked after Sherwood and cash from the veteran. Um, Michael, maybe give your, your, your preview and your take on, on Hamza and what he brings to the field has a lot of hype behind him. A lot of people are excited about him because although he went later in the draft, him slipping, not dissimilar to Bryce Hall kind of seemed more due to an injury. And it seems like the jets may have gotten a bit of a diamond in the rough. Yeah. I think Hamza is definitely in terms of overall upside. I think he offers, more than Sherwood does a little bit more versatility in terms of um, the coverage roles he can handle his production was better in college he's a great tackler um, in coverage he consistently graded really well and and I think his stock was going to be a lot higher if he didn't miss most of this past season so there's a lot to like about him and I think like we said Sherwood probably you're more so looking for the mental tools the leadership things like that um, for him to be that middle of the defense guy. But I think with Nazareldine, I think you're getting more tools upside. He's the guy who you could see in that will role, getting some rotational snaps, competing for Cashman with that uh, for that role. Um, and that's where you could p- potentially see a lot more splashy tools in terms of acceleration, looseness, um, potential blitzing ability, explosion, things like that. And he also has really good length. Another guy who likes Sherwood, isn't necessarily uh, doesn't necessarily have the weight to play linebacker yet as a smaller linebacker. He definitely has enough. Um, so probably at two fifteen, if he can get up to two twenty, that's fine. If he's going to be a weak linebacker, but he has great length. He's six, three 82 inch wingspan, 34 inch arms. Jesus. Um, so these two guys got a lot of length. That's a consistent yeah. between them two, um, which again, helps them really well transitioning to linebacker. You could, um, putting on some a few pounds is doable, but no one's going to extend their arms. That's not possible. But these guys already have that length, so all they got to do is bulk up a little bit, and they have um, very broad frames, like you mentioned. So uh, I think Dean is more so where you're looking for athletic upside and versatility, and Sherwood is more of the mental, sturdy, consistent kind right. of game. I think Sherwood of the two will ultimately be bigger. Part of that's just the positions they're going to ultimately play. Right. I do believe Sherwood's probably going to be more of the the Mike, where Nasrudin would be the the weak side linebacker. Although I think they'll both play that role this year. I mean, when I think that Hams is going to win that day one starting job, I still think you're going to see Sherwood out there in that role, and I still think you're going to see a, a bit of Cashman. And although Cashman's the veteran, we haven't really seen that much of him. Like you said, five games in 2019, he started the opener this year, but so he's really six starts ahead of Hamza and Jamie. And so he, we haven't really seen too much of him and he missed all of OTAs and mini camp. So I don't think there, there's too much of a difference, I guess, in, in veteran versus rookie here. They're kind of all in a similar starting position um, the way I view it. I think Hamza is a guy, like you said, the upside is just so tremendous. Um, and if we're to listen to what Robert Sala said about the cornerbacks and, and the advice he got from Pete Carroll about, you know, look, play the young guys, they're hell on wheels. They're going to make a lot of mistakes, but if you invest in them and you believe in your coaching staff, you know, especially towards by the end of the season or as we get into next year and the year after that, you're going to really build a, a good foundation. Some of these guys are really going to stick and they're going to benefit from these reps. And I think Hans is a guy who's going to make a ton of mistakes his rookie year. I think especially right. at the start, he's going to make some mental mistakes. I think you're going to see some fun, athletic, flashy plays, maybe a pick six or something like that. You're going to see that athleticism really pop. And I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to see really improve throughout the season. I hope he can have maybe a, a slightly more effective season than, like Ashton Davis, like you mentioned earlier, but I wouldn't expect for him to light the world on fire. Even if I think he's going to start, certainly there's been a few uh, training camp highlights where he's been on the, the, the bad end of it, I guess. 
Um, I think you're going to see rotation here, but Nasruddin really excites me for this role. Um, and I think the potential to, to be a, a starting week linebacker uh, in this league for a long time is certainly there. Um, but although there's a competition in training camp, whoever finishes third place, I still think will will hit the field in that position a, a good amount um, this year. And then rounding out the roster at linebacker, um, four guys, Delshawn Phillips, Brandon White, Noah Dawkins, and Camillo, Camilo Eifler. There we go. Uh, Delshawn barely played any defensive snaps, more of a special teamer. Brendan White was a college safety from Ohio State. So you'd have to figure another special teamer, probably more of the weak side linebacker. We'll see exactly what their plan is for them. And then Noah Dawkins, he has a little bit more flexibility. He was a former defensive lineman. Um, so he certainly has a pass rushing uh, ability. So you'd think strong linebacker, but then he also played safety. I mean, he played all over the place and his athleticism is, is there, And but he's a bit undersized. So probably another special teamer. And then Kamala Eifer, who's um, Eifler, there we go, undrafted free agent. He's a guy that I think you could see at, at Mike, strong line, uh, strong linebacker, special teams, um, came from Illinois. So those four guys, I think, are going to battle to round out the roster. But the five guys we mentioned and really went in depth are the guys that you're going to see on the field the most. I think out of those four, out of those four and we'll get into this a little bit later, I think Sean Phillips is probably the most likely out of the four that you can better roster spot on the other three guys are going to have to really battle to impress. Um, so let's hop into some questions. Then we'll get out of here. I, I guess for, for our listeners at home, Michael, the biggest difference in the jet switching from a three, four to a four, three, can I get, can you just explain um, what that means for these players schematically uh, and kind of the, the roles for each, you know, week, Sam, Mike, and how it kind of differs maybe from, from a defense that the jets have run forever and a three, four. Yeah, for me, I think the biggest difference comes really in versatility. And and you could just look at the Jets' defense the past few years as a comparison. Um, like, for example, the past few years, you would have pretty much two every-down guys at inside linebacker who never come off the field. Um, and then your other two linebackers are pretty much playing a completely different position on the edge. For example, last year, you'd have Neville Hewitt and Harvey Lange, I guess, for the majority of the season. Avery Williamson was out there for a little bit before he got traded. Blake Cashman actually was going to be the starter at the beginning of the season, but he quickly got hurt and then couldn't get the role back. Um, But you'd have two guys in the middle who essentially aren't playing a role that's too much different for the most part. You'd have generally strong side and weak side designations like Hewitt would usually be the strong side guy um, because he's not necessarily as great in coverage. So you want him to be on the strong side of a run play, taking on the tight ends, whereas other guys covering more ground. Um, and then the, the guys on the outside are basically edge players playing completely different roles. But in a 4-3, I think um, it's a lot more important to have guys who can cover ground in space because you have more, you have fewer players on the defensive line and you have few, actually you have fewer players in coverage because in 3-4 defense, um, it's just... You have, you have more speed out there in a 3-4 defense. You have two defensive tackles, then you have the two outside linebackers on the edge. And in a 4-3, you only have the two – you have four down linemen, and then it's the three linebackers. So um, I think it's important to have versatility there, guys who can play different roles. Like Davis, for example, even though he's struggled in a lot of his roles, last year he was playing uh, all three different roles for Detroit. He was playing some Mike, some Sam, some Will, mostly Mike and Sam. But he showed he you can he can play all three, and I think that's important to have in a scheme like this. But I think for the most part, you still have one guy who's playing a role similar to what you would see from three-four linebacker, which in this case will probably be Mosley. And then opposite them, you have a couple guys who are a little more interchangeable in terms of you probably you're gonna have in this linebacker, you're in this defense, your Sam probably like we've been talking about will be Davis who will be manning up against tight ends, blitzing pretty uh, frequently, um, and staying on that strong side, setting the edge against the run. And then you have a weak linebacker who will be covering more ground and coverage, um, taking on deeper zone assignments, um, and mostly playing on the side of the field where he'll have more ground to cover, where his athleticism can come into play. And that's probably where you'll be looking for those young linebackers to be competing. So um, I think the biggest uh, differences just come in interchangeability and the need for more athleticism 
right. uh, considering you have um, more down linemen on the field. Um, so, so less speed out there. So a little more pressure on the linebackers to be able to cover space in uh, less pressure in terms of run defense. And I think the Jets did build to that pretty well. Like we talked about, they don't have really a second true thumper or a third after Davis and Mosley, um, but they have plenty of speed uh, from top to bottom in, in this linebacker group. And I think that fits the scheme really well. Yeah, I think there's definitely versatility in the positions themselves. But as far as the defense goes, I think you get a little bit less so in the sense that in a 3-4, uh, I think there's a bit more blitzing opportunities for the linebackers. In the 4-3, especially the Sala Ulbrich defense, for the most part, you're going to get four down linemen rushing the quarterback, and the three linebackers are going to drop off. Obviously, you can you can rush your linebackers. I think you're going to see Jared Davis do that plenty. But in a 3-4, the way I look at outside linebackers in a 3-4 is their primary responsibility is rushing the passer, and then they can drop in coverage, and that supplements what they do in the field. But in a 4-3, their primary responsibility for the outside linebackers is going to be to, to play coverage, and rushing the quarterback is going to supplement it. Um, so I think kind of like you said, there's – there's more versatility between the linebackers because you'd hope like kind of going back to the question we were talking about earlier that let's say you're, you're starting Mike strong a week, just for the example is, is CJ at Mike, Jared Davis at strong. And we'll just say Blake Cashman for strong or for week, excuse me, that if Mosley were to go down, you could probably sub Davis in and you could probably sub Cashman. And so you get a little bit more flexibility um, from that standpoint. I, I guess when you look at Mosley and how he fits in a four, three, do you have, any concerns about the transition? Although it's it's fairly similar, there are some some mild differences, and yeah, I guess he did a little bit of it, of it in Baltimore. And look, the Jets have run four three packages, especially under Greg Williams. He was more of a hybrid type of guy, but he ran a lot of three four, mainly nickel. But there were a few four three packages, so it's not a completely foreign concept to a Jets fan. Um, but the Jets haven't run a four three. Um, I sense, I mean, John Abraham. I mean, like a long time ago. I mean, since we've been watching for the most part when you go through at least the last decade uh, and a little bit more, they've been all three, four. So I guess CJ Mosley making that, that adjustment from a three, four to a four, three. I actually think he'll do okay with it because I think the point you made is a really important one. I think there is a lot more blitzing from your inside linebackers in a three, four, because um, when you're playing three, four, you have two, uh, your two edge rushers, which in last year's case was Jenkins and Basham are more athletic than the guys you would typically have on the edge in a 4-3. Like, for example, now it's going to be Carl Lawson and Vinnie Curry. And those two guys are not guys you necessarily want dropping to coverage. Lawson has done it a little bit in his career, but he's actually been pretty bad at it when he has. But he's done it very infrequently because it's not something you want him to do. Whereas Jenkins and Basham are a little bit smaller and a little bit, not necessarily smaller, but they are those two guys have a lot more experience and have been a lot more successful dropping into coverage than guys like Lawson have who typically played their hands in the dirt. And that's why they're three, four outside linebackers because they can drop into coverage occasionally. And what that allows you to do is drop those guys back and have the inside linebackers filling for them as blitzers. And that's why Neville Hewitt and Lange were both among the leaders in blitzes among inside linebackers last year. Um, but in a 4-3 defense where you can't really trust your edge defenders to drop as much, and you can much more so trust them to rush the passer, that's the point of signing a guy like Carl Lawson, is the fact that the whole game you could just send him after the quarterback with no questions asked, and he's going to make things happen. Quentin Williams, Franklin Myers, Rankins, Curry, they're just going to create pressure on their own because they can do it. And you don't necessarily need the linebackers to blitz as much. Uh, and it's also harder to do it because, you know, like I already mentioned, it's harder. You can't trust Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry, if Franklin Myers plays the edge, um, if Ronald Blair plays the edge. You can't trust those guys to drop back as much, so it's harder to blitz. So, And the point here with Mosley is that blitzing is probably the weakest part of his game. It's not something he's great at. Uh, he's never been too effective of a blitzer. He doesn't have much finesse to his blitz game. Um, he kind of will just charge straight downhill. Sometimes his power will make something happen, but he doesn't really have a swim or a sidestep or anything to his blitzing game. So he's never done a ton of damage there. So I think the fact that he'll be blitzing less and covering more is going to serve him pretty well. And I think he can have a very good chance of 
having a Deion Jones or Fred Warner type of production in coverage right. in this defense because of that. So I actually think this serves him pretty well. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you to an extent. I think that the, the four three will put him in coverage more like you were saying. And I think that while it's never really, I wouldn't call it a deficiency of his because he's not necessarily the most athletic of guys, especially coming off two years uh, away from the game. That is a bit of a concern because he's going to have to be relied to cover the middle of the field a little bit more than when he has a partner in crime right next to him. But the best part of it is, is a four, three inside linebacker is the complete quarterback of that defense, even more so than when he used it as a three, four inside linebacker. So I think he's going to really benefit from that role. Um, or at least Salah's defense and Ulbricht's defense is really going to benefit from having a guy like Mosley, a veteran like Mosley, calling their defense, getting people lined up, um, you know, calling audibles. I think I'm a little concerned to see how that that hip or, or excuse me, that groin and that core injury holds up in the middle of the field, considering he's going to have to be moving a little bit more. But like you said, I mean, what he brings on the mental side of things kind of balances out any sort of athletic deficiencies you might have in coverage. I would never label Mosley an amazing coverage linebacker. Um, but I would say that he's, he's an adequate coverage linebacker. What he really brings is, is, is more on the mental side of things. Um, and so that makes him a better coverage linebacker. Um, I guess when you look at, at Jared Davis, uh, can you, I guess in your eyes, why do you think that, that Robert Saul and Jeff Ulbrich were, were so attached to Davis for this role in this defense? I guess, what does he bring in your eyes that made him the first free agent for the Jets to sign? I think it's just confidence in his talent, his pedigree, and their own track records of developing talent at linebacker. Both these guys have taken non-first-round picks and made them into star linebackers, Warner, Jones. Um, those two guys are stars, but they've also taken Aluakon and Greenlaw and turned them into starters as non-first-round picks. So both, And also Salah was a part of Bobby Wagner, um and kj Wright in seattle so both these guys have done great work with linebackers so i feel like they're very confident in what they can do at the position and they see a guy like davis who is a former first round pick is still in his prime showed some improvement last year has great athletic not just athletic ability but just total physical package in terms of strength movement skills everything um i see i think they just see a guy who's still very moldable at this point of his career and um, they're confident in what they've done with linebackers and they see a guy who um, they can turn into something great at this point of his career. So I think that's really what it comes down to just banking on, on upside, banking on their own abilities to develop talent at this position. Yeah, clearly a physical specimen. There's a reason he's a first round pick. And not only was he the first free agent the Jets signed, I would argue that he's probably the only free agent that at least in your eyes and probably my eyes as well was overpaid, especially when you look at the rest of the linebacker market, Joe Douglas, not necessarily known as a, as a general manager who overpays. He's generally in the underpaying great deal type of side uh, or side of things. And, and Davis's contract was by most people's accounts an overpay. So it signals that the jets really liked him. Ian Rappaport even reported at the time that there were many teams interested in Davis's service. So clearly going back to, to when he was coming out in the draft, a lot of people really like him. I think, Many people felt like he was misused in Matt Patricia's defense. I think he's going to be a lot better in this in this base four three defense, playing on the outside. Um, you're going to be able to to benefit from his what he brings athletically, especially as a blitzer. And like you said, he's with one of the best coaching staffs when it comes to to developing linebackers and having uh, Jeff Holbrick and Robert Sala right there, if not the best um, two coaches to be around. Um, so I, I'm excited to watch how he develops. Uh, when you look at the Will role, I kind of alluded to who I thought might win it. Who do you think ultimately wins the starting Will spot, and how do you see them divvying up the reps? Do you do you agree with me that you think it's going to be a rotation, or do you think Saul is going to try to have one guy in there and, and get him as many reps as possible? I think it will end up being a rotation for the most part because I think between Nazaldine and Cashman and even Sherwood, who will probably dip his toes into it a little bit, I think there are a lot of different things that those three three guys offer. So I think the beauty in that is that you can really play around with it. You could change things up based on the opponent and what you feel like is best for stopping that opponent in the given week. Um, and I think that's great for the development of these guys too because they won't have too much pressure on them to come in and handle big snaps uh, and be forced to – 
take on an important role right away. They can be put into spots that are um, favorable for their skill sets and not be put into too many uncomfortable positions. And I think it helps the team as well to have guys who can do, can do different things. But I think the the pseudo winner will probably, I'm going to go with Nazaruddin just because of the Douglas connection, because he didn't draft Blake Cashman. I think that's something that's right. important to keep in mind, but I do like Cashman in the scheme. Health is going to be important for Cashman. He still hasn't been healthy so far, so that's going to be really important. Um, so I'm going to go with Nazaruddin as the guy who gets the most snaps out of uh, players other than mostly in Davis at this position. But I do think, like you said, this will be a group that everyone gets a little bit of playing time. It's not necessarily going to be, here's your winner, other two guys are backups. I think we're going to see a little bit of everyone, not just because of injuries, but um, even when everyone is healthy, I think we'll see a good yeah. mix of snaps. Yeah, especially with the coverage responsibilities that, that Saul and Ulbrich are going to task their linebackers, going to be, have to be you know, traveling all over the field. So I think it'll be good to get some fresh linebackers or some fresh legs out there. Um, and it is important to note that, you know, while Nazaldine might be, in our eyes, the better fit for this weak linebacker side, and we're maybe more excited than, than Jamie and Sherwood. At least when Nazaldine was picked, I was really excited about the pick, and Sherwood was like, oh, okay. You know, I trust Joe Douglas, but I didn't really know too much about him. PJ Clark came on our show and, and shouted out Hamza Nazaldine as one of his favorite players. So I think, you know, as, as you get to day three in the draft, it's pretty much, do I recognize this player's name? And if so, I'll clap. Um, and if not, I'll, I'll still just support the GM at this point. Um, but it is important to note that, that the Jets had the choice between Nazaldine and Sherwood and took Sherwood. There's no debate about it that if they had to choose one, they would go with Sherwood. And so maybe that's more long-term projection. They really liked what they saw. Maybe Salah saw a future Fred Warner. I think while ultimately I think Sherwood will be a Mike linebacker in this league, and that's my own personal opinion, but I, you know it's based off what I've been reading from Salah and Ulbrich. Still thinking he can play weak linebacker. And if he's the guy that you value more, you want to get him reps, especially if you listen to Robert Salas. So his best chance to get reps, if Mosley and Davis are both healthy, is to get Sherwood out there at weak linebacker. So I think you're going to see plenty of him. Um, I think you're right. I agree with you. I think Nasruddin will, you know, as far as who's going to show up in the CBS graphic week one as the start, I think it'll probably be Nasruddin. But I think you're going to see him rotate a ton, get a bunch of reps on special teams as well. Really just get their feet wet. Um, Cause ultimately I think that they're really focused on developing both these guys, but if they had to choose one, it seems like it'd be Sherwood. Who do you think out of the, the four guys I, I listed earlier, Delshawn Phillips, Brendan White, Noah Dawkins and, and Kamilo Eifler, who do you think rounds out this roster? So I guess how many linebackers do you think they ultimately keep and outside of the five we've gone in depth on uh, and, and which, which players do you think they, they carry just as we head into training camp? I know you don't, don't, don't know too much about these guys, but um, just your, your gut feeling going into to training camp. I think Phillips is probably the I guy. You're typing in the background, so you're frantically because, looking somebody up. I'm looking at his contract, oh, okay. so <laughs> I just want to get the exact numbers. Don't think I'm just reading off his Wikipedia page. Who is Noah Dawkins? Who is Noah Dawkins? What teams he play for? But <laughs> I, I, I think Doc, um, Phillips, just because of the Falcons connection, is probably the favorite. Um, but you think I they keep know. six? I, yeah, that's what I was going to get to next. I feel like it might just be the five because I think they're going to go a little bit heavier at um, safety and cornerback with, because I think obviously there are three safeties who are locks with may um, Joyner and Ashton Davis, but I feel like Sherrod Neesman is going to make the roster um, at cornerback. You could go a little bit deeper, especially at nickel with Jacqueline Gidry, Michael Carter, the second. Um, so I feel like in that secondary, they could go a little bit deeper um, also at safety uh, slash cornerback, Bennett Jackson is a pretty good special teamer. was an important special teamer last year. He could make the roster. Um, so I feel like there are going to be some defensive positions where they go a little bit deeper and I, they might be able to afford going a little bit lighter linebacker. So I don't know. I could, I could see just the big five uh, at linebacker, but if they are going to keep another one, I'll, I would lean towards Phillips because of the Atlanta connection. Yeah. I disagree with you on how many linebackers are going to take, because when you look at the injury history from Mosley Cashman and Nazaldine, right. Especially Cashman. Can you really count that those five are going to be on the roster for 17 weeks, 18 weeks, 17 games? 
Um, I like that the, the NFL has continued their IR rules from last year with, with the COVID season. So the Jets will get some roster flexibility um, from practice squad and IR. So I think, you know, I agree. I think Delshawn Phillips will stick on the team as, as a special teamer primarily, but also as a depth piece. I think Brandon White, I think has the best chance to stick, but I think you'll see at least one or two linebackers in the practice squad. So I think on the active roster, you're going to see six, the five we talked about, plus Delshawn Phillips. And then I think you could see Brandon White, Noah Dawkins, and Carmelo Eifler. One to two of those guys, just depending on how they play in preseason um, on, on the practice squad at least. But hell, maybe if Brandon White or one of those guys really performs well, I, I wouldn't be surprised to keep, uh, see them keep seven. Part of the reason being, Jamie and Sherwood and Hamza Nasruddin both have safety experience. So while they're NFL linebackers, I think they could maybe go a little lighter on safety, kind of opposing what you're saying. I know you, you like Bennett Jackson on, on special teams, but I think the Jets have plenty of guys they brought in that can under Brent Boyer overtake that, uh, take that role from him. And if you go lighter on safety, your safety goes down. You're not too worried about playing Hamza Nasruddin at strong safety, are you? You're not too worried about playing Jamie and Sherwood there. Um, even if they're slightly out of position because they did it in college. So I, th- I think they're going to go at least six deep, but maybe even seven if, if the guys really perform well in, in, pre- uh, in preseason. Um, yeah, th- those are really fair points. It'll be interesting to see. I think we just have to see some of these um, beyond the top five, the rest of this group in the preseason to really get an idea of what they offer because we've seen very little of these guys. Um, but well, between Dawkins and Phillips, who actually have been in the league, right? The, um, they both played in the 2019 preseason, a little bit of regular season, but there's not a lot with them. And obviously, the other guys yeah. are undrafted free agents, so we have to see these guys in the preseason. Uh, and I think they'll go based off of that. I think one of either Brendan White or Kamilo Eifler, this is just a gut feeling, one of them is going to impress in preseason. One of them is just going to be the, the random Jets preseason training camp stuff where it's like, oh, do you try to make room for him? Then he, he you cut him at the 53-day cut down, and all the fans are like, oh, God, I hope he, he sticks the roster. And, you know, obviously he makes the practice squad because all other 31 other teams don't know who they are, don't care about him. So I, I feel like Brendan White or, or Kamilo Eifler is going to have a good uh, – good preseason just looking at at them briefly before this episode i like what they brought i like what they bring as as under at the free agents um last question and then we'll get out of here your expectations for the unit how do you feel like this unit stacks up compared to the other um linebacker units across the nfl i mean granted it's it's a hard unit to grade because every position is a question mark is cj mosley still the same player how is jared davis in the scheme who's going to start at weak linebacker and if whoever it is, we've barely seen any of them. How do you feel like this, this unit um, stacks up compared to the NFL? And what are your expectations for how they perform under Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich in 2021? Well, I think it all starts with CJ Mosley, because if he is in peak form, I think he can be a top 10 linebacker. And if he can do that, then I think it's all going to grow off of that because having a player like him, in the middle of the unit should be really beneficial for the rest of these guys as they try to come right in as whether it be rookies or in the case of Cashman, a very inexperienced player, uh, as they try to come in and make an impact in a really tough spot. I think having Mosley um, not just playing well, but staying healthy is going to be important. Just having him there stabilizing things, letting everyone else fall into their roles, not have to rotate in and out, fill in for him, move up and down the depth chart. If he's, I think that's the most important thing, even more so than his performance. Obviously, you don't want him to be bad, but as long as he's healthy and providing that um, fundamental and leadership impact, I think that's going to really help the development of the rest of the unit. So Mosley's the biggest X factor. He can be a top 10 guy if he's healthy, but just the intangibles, I think, will help everyone else develop and fall into place. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of floor here. If you're relying on multiple rookies. Um, or or guy, no floor at all. Exactly, or no floor at all. You're relying on multiple rookies, a guy in Davis who was not a good player in the fir- for his first three years in the league. A guy in Cashman who was a fifth-round pick and struggled the only games he played a couple seasons ago and really struggles to stay healthy. So there is a lot of downside here. But with the linebacker coaches that they have, with the athletic tools of some of these guys, with the way some of these guys fit to the scheme so well, and having a star caliber player at the top in Mosley, 
there was a lot of upside as well. So this group can fall really anywhere on the spectrum. Yeah. Every year there's, I mean, especially the last decade, um, it seems like there's dozens of legitimate questions about this team. And every year I talk myself into the optimistic side of things, the positive outcome, what could happen. Um, but this year, all the question marks, I like the potential answers. I really am confident about some of the things that could happen. Um, so I swear this year's different because, yeah, you look at the linebacker position, you laid out a bunch of um, uh, legitimate question marks. And I, I don't think this is, at least on paper, especially right now, the most talented linebacker group in, in, in the world or in the league, I should say. But Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbricht's experience developing linebackers and not top like you said, first round pick linebackers, these guys have developed young players, day two players, day three players, undrafted players, and made them into NFL starters. So if any coaching staff can develop talent at this position, it's the one the Jets have. So that lends me to believing in this, this linebacker unit, especially when you look at Sherwood, Nasruddin, Hell Cashman, and Davis as well. Mosley, a few months ago, if you asked me, I would have said, I don't have, you know, in my experience as a Jets fan, I don't have much hope that, that he proves anything. I've just, I've seen too many situations like that, most recently being Le'Veon Bell, that the guy is never the same. And it's just another lol Jets moment, a big blunder that the Jets are paying this guy $19 million. But I have to say, just like the point we recently made with Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich, this is the scheme. If he's going to do it, he looks good. He seems healthy. Knock on wood, he can stay healthy. But I think this is a system that really benefits him. I think you may see some uh, times where the ball gets thrown over his head that he's maybe his athleticism catches up to him a little bit, but he's such a mentally strong player that I think he's going to be huge for this defense, especially, as we said, can stay healthy. I think he's an extension of old brick and Sala on the field. Uh, and Davis, Joe Douglas doesn't overpay guys. And the fact that he overpaid this guy and he was the first Jet signing I trust Joe Douglas. He hasn't really given me many reasons not to outside of maybe letting Robbie Anderson walk, who actually at this point wouldn't really be a good fit in this offense or maybe taking James Morgan, but we don't really know who he is at this point. So Joe Douglas has been for me, a home run of a GM. A lot of this is on paper, so he could turn from a, a carriage to a pumpkin anytime now. But at this point in time, I'm a big Joe Douglas fan. He hasn't really given me many reasons not to believe in him. And the fact that him and Saul and Ulbricht, this all-star linebacker coaching staff, clearly believed in Jared Davis, as did a few other teams, to drive up his price, kind of makes me believe that maybe there's something there. So I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic about the unit. Right now, there's no way you can rank this unit um, as an above average or even an average unit. But I actually think with the coaching staff, you can rank them average. But by the end of the year, after some of the rookie lumps have taken place between Sherwood and Oswaldines, after some of the, the youth has been coached out of Cashman, after Mosley's, you know, got his timing back and he's got his, you know, he's not rusty anymore. And Davis is really into the, you know, has, is uh, adjusted to his new role in a new scheme. I think this is going to be a strong student team. I really believe in this linebacker unit. Um, maybe it's fool's gold again, yet again, getting fooled by, by an optimistic Jets take, but I do believe in this linebacker unit. One of the more, um, positive units I, I i'm looking at this this um this jets team but it, a lot of it hinges like you said on tj mosley and the rest of the unit's health that's going to wrap up this positional preview we'll be back on monday with our typical cyj pod going over some topics we'll definitely do a mailbag we'll we'll tweet that over the weekend so if you want to submit some questions um tweet us at cyj pod but we'll put out an official tweet um as i said you can follow us at cyj pod you can follow myself at ben w blessington michael at michael underscore nania go to jets xfactor.com excuse me for the best jets content out there um we appreciate any uh rate review subscribes on itunes as well those help out the podcast tremendously uh and outside of that michael i think we're good to go anything else in the linebackers uh, I guess let's just establish we're going with Jared Davis until okay. proven yeah. otherwise. Gerard was my initial uh, looking at looking at me the too. name. That's how it came out for Camilo me. Camilo or Camillo, if he makes the team. For Camilo Eifler is what I've been calling him. Can we go with Camilo? But he's listed as uh, it could be Milo because some people have him listed. Some, as just yeah, in some Milo. places it's it's Milo. So it could be Milo though. Camilo makes more sense. Kamala is kind of weird. To answer these questions, you got to try to find inner. Like this is how I found uh, figured it out for Patrick Owasso last year. 
you got to find an interview of them saying true. their own name or That's like true. an official interviewer, some very uh, professional hey, person. So I've been struggling to get not that we're not professional ourselves. We're yeah. very professional, but yeah. um, you got to try to find like an interview or something. Someone okay. brings That's it fair. up. I, I've been struggling with Keelan Cole. Worse than the other ones I can't. I've, I've messed up with plenty of guys' names. It's just, it's not for lack of trying. I really do read their names. It's just, like you said, maybe I should take your advice, look up some interviews. Um, for now, we'll stick w- with Jared Davis. Um, but yeah, we'll be back on Monday with our, our regular scheduled programming. And then next Thursday, we'll be back most likely with another positional preview. Probably head back to the offensive side of the ball. Maybe take a look at the receivers, Michael. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Receiver right. sounds fun. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll see you on Monday. Quickly, down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. The punter to beat, and the punter brings him down. Brayton Mann saved a touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.